So, <clears throat> this evening, um, um, I'm going to offer some some thoughts on ignorance, and I'm going to attempt to speak loud, loudly enough. <laughs> how how is how is that? Is that okay? <laughs> right. Just wave at me, shout at me, or something. So, um, very much um, this theme that uh, comes up in the teachings and is very much a work in progress. So, I'm already asking your support and (laughs) understanding. It, It feels like, I mean, I guess all of Dharma reflection is really a work in progress, isn't it? You know, I love that that uh, thing from um, Ajahn Tanissa about putting a post-it note on things. Oh, that's that. Like, mm, yeah, well, put a post-it note on it. Because your perception and your understanding may change. And I think maybe that's one of the wonderful things about, about practice. And sometimes maybe it's completely annoying as well because it's hard you know what do I know I don't you know I don't this understanding this understanding both perhaps on a more conceptual level of trying to get your head around well what's meant here and then also on an experiential level you know what what is ignorance and what has that got to do with me (laughs) And what has that got to do with liberation or um, the end of suffering? So um, uh, I hope that, that, that these reflections can be somewhat of a contribution to that clarification and that maybe we're always going to be somewhere in that you know, swimming around in that um, process of, of clarification. So um, having patience, and perhaps I'm saying this as much to myself, you know, <laughs> it's like, what understand, you know. I can't give the talk, I haven't completely understood ignorance, you know, and I've been really going away at it, you know. <laughs> and and it's so, it's so interesting because... Um, spending some time coming back to this theme and different ways, looking and listening to quite a lot of talks on it and reading and thinking and practicing and all this. And and realizing at some point, oh my goodness, I'm feeling really ignorant. <laughs> Just interesting, interesting. And and wondering whether, you know, actually is this some something to do with the the effect of reflecting on delusion so much? You know, because we, our minds are affected, aren't they? You know, be careful what you think about how we incline the mind and plus just the process of perhaps, you know, well, does it, you know, is it this, is it that? And But I think that's really interesting and I felt kind of reassured because I was looking in Jack Caulfield's book, The Wise Heart, which has a, a very helpful chapter on delusion. And he he actually said near the beginning, notice if you reading this chapter and you start feeling a bit, you know, uh, what? Um, I, huh? <laughs> I thought, ah, 
that was yeah so maybe maybe there is something here so i just i'm warning you a little health warning on this talk <laughs> it's like if you start feeling a bit deluded and confused <laughs> it may be you know i don't know maybe not but it's it's kind of interesting to me that that that's um that might happen it might be part part of this exploration so what what does this mean? What does this mean? And the word is actually in the Pali, avija, A-V-I-J-J-A, avija. I don't know how you pronounce it actually, but it really means not seeing. I nearly want to call this talk not seeing, but then I thought, well, no. So part of what I'd like to, to do and try and do in these reflections is to help us to understand a bit perhaps what this you know what this is is this avija and and how and the part it plays in in our experience and particularly our experience of suffering and also how how we can practice with that you know how that how that can actually be something that we really can uh yeah practice with and and um be able to also bring to mindfulness because avijo is seen it's another condition it's a condition arising it's a condition phenomena it's not who we are it's not a fix that word ignorance is like well, i'm really ignorant you know and of course the i am bit we always had a big question mark over that you know in practice so it's more like ignorance arises, it happens, there's times and, and when we don't see or certain aspects of our experience, you know, or certain situations or relationships or people and we see them, we think about them, we just, we can't see them, we, we can't see clearly because there's, there's something is, is inhibiting that clear seeing, right? So this is... Perhaps not such an unfamiliar experience that all, all of us, maybe in different degrees and in different ways, are walking around quite deluded about quite a lot of things. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh dear, <laughs> how does that sound? I mean, it's like, I, I know there's certain times I can hear something like that and I feel really insulted. You know, it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, that's, I'm, you know, I'm intelligent or... I'm not deluded. <laughs> so, so there can be, you know, perhaps a, a different, different reaction to that. It's like, or maybe, oh, thank goodness, now I understand. Now I'm deluded. That explains a lot. You know? Oh, okay, good. That's all right. Now, now what? You know. So maybe some levels of this, you know, we can begin to sort of recognise. Yeah, actually. I do go unconscious. You know that feeling where you see yourself kind of zoning out in, in certain situations and you kind of, you know, you go, or you, you go unconscious. You, you kind of, you like, and you come back and you think, where was I? How did I, how did I get from here to Exeter without crashing into anything? You know, I just, just kind of, you just don't know where you were, just on automatic, you know. So that kind, that kind of experience. 
But I think part of, again, this is a very big topic, and, and it's the, you know, the, the wonderful nature of the Buddha's teachings, isn't it, where I have this sort of holographic sense, or the blamange sense, which I like from John Peacock, where everything's connected to everything else. So you, you poke it in one place, and the whole thing jiggles. So ignorance is really the whole of the teaching. Ignorance contains all the teaching, it connects with all the teaching. And I know this is always one of my big challenges when I'm trying to prepare a talk, because I have to say everything about everything. Otherwise, that's not it. <laughs> so again, I mean, I could say there's a, there's a little bit of functioning of ignorance there, isn't it? Because of course it's not, it's not possible. You know, and we're not really asked to do that. We're not asked to be omniscient or kind of, you know, it's, it's more about the here and now. So... This exploration, you know, as, as you're listening, and as, it's like, what, what is that right now? Where, where is the not seeing right now? That's so, that's so interesting to me. So what I'd like to do is perhaps go through a, different, a few different ways that we might be able to identify the activity of, of ignorance or not seeing. Because you might say, well, if I'm, I'm not seeing, so I don't know I'm not seeing because I can't see. <laughs> You know, so how do I know that I'm not seeing? But there are signs, aren't they? You know, when you actually bump into the wall, <laughs> then you realise, oh, I, I didn't see that wall there. You know, there are signs. There are signs, aren't there? I mean, it, it's so... Um, I think it's so prevalent, I suppose, as I've started to think about this. One of the things that started to happen is, my goodness me, you know, I'm... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of this around, both kind of in, in maybe in my own experience and I see it in others and I see it in the world and, oh my goodness. So maybe that's another challenge that if we're really open to this, it can be quite overwhelming maybe. And again, that, that danger of how something becomes a filter and then you start seeing it everywhere. So always a skillful perception, you know, we, we kind of... Again, you know, we need to stop and put it aside and see something else, you know, <laughs> see, look in another way. Um, so I was thinking of something which, um, <clears throat> again, it was interesting, another conversation today with somebody where sometimes, yeah, you don't realize that, you're, that you've, you haven't been seeing something until something changes, and then you realize what you didn't realize like a bit like the thing I was mentioning about being young you don't kind of realize you're young until you get old (laughs) and you realize I was young and when I was I yeah I hesitate a bit to share this but anyway let's go for it um and I I was about 28 29 um and anyway a number of things began dharma practice went into therapy and um, something something changed, and I I didn't know. I, I I it took me a while to to figure out what, because I would I would get up and I would go to work and doing whatever I was doing, and I couldn't understand. I felt very different. I felt something. I couldn't, and I think it took me several weeks to realize that I was no longer waking up in dread, and that. I knew this was a bit, yeah, edgy. Every day of my life up to that point, I had woken up in dread. And that's just, I mean, I don't know if anybody else has anything like that in their, in their life, but 
the 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 amazing amazing thing that i could have not known that was that was that that was happening but how how could i have known <laughs> because it was all i knew up to that point and so and so something shifted something changed and i was able to see i was able to see that that is how it had been and it was like coming out of a great fog coming out of this heavy heavy dark cloud you know perhaps we could say yeah for whatever reason i had been in that particular way kind of in delusion for for all of that time but but you know something shifted and and i came out of that and i think that you know maybe there's less sort of you know long term sort of dramatic examples of that we we come in and out of of these things but that it's almost i feel sometimes like in in dharma practice you know and we and we and we hear teachings on freedom and 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 we and and we have a sense of ourselves being kind of quite entrapped and we can't quite imagine like oh, what would that feel like you know and then maybe we have openings and we have insights and things shift and we go oh oh you know so is something in there about about faith and really really keeping in mind that you know shift can happen anytime it does happen and that we we don't know we don't know um the, the kind of you know potential for happiness or for waking up that's you know that's always uh kind of a potential so perhaps part of the inspiration the motivation to to practice is a sense that i i don't know if this makes sense to you but perhaps with with the my story that we each of us are in a way the carriers and the bearers and the vehicles for many of the forces in the world that are not so skillful yeah from our societies from our families you know from many sources and that that in a way you know they they're there in our heart you know maybe some of it comes with us from the ages you know and so i think one of i don't know maybe the sort of no, noble part of practice you know we talk about the noble truths of suffering and its cause and its end and the way to its end the ennobling aspect of practice i think is maybe partly about that when we practice we're practicing for everyone we're practicing for the world we're we're we're, we're practicing to bring an end to those forces we're practicing to say it stops here yeah that we 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 make a commitment i i that we can be a firewall for the unskillfulness we can say it stops here i am not going to perpetuate this and i i don't always feel that clear about that but i i know when i connect with that that it's a real it's a strong motivating force and it's getting clearer and it also is getting clearer to me that that the power that that everybody has in that way that again maybe is something we don't realize we don't we don't see our 
you know, we're ignorant of, if you like, our potential um, for being a, a yeah, a, a um, part of what can transform suffering, you know, and, and make more room for happiness and peace and love and so on. So what, what is the, the shift that, that we make, you know, and how do we recognize, how do we recognize that, um, that we're caught or that, that the effects of, of this not seeing the way, the way things are, not, not seeing clearly, not understanding, um, you know, the, the, the resistances, the stresses and, and all of the, kinds of forms of dukkha, of suffering, that when we're not knowing it, when we're not conscious of it, when we're not really facing that, you know, we are caught in. And again, we're kind of, um, we can feel the effects of that. And one of the interesting things I I wanted to, so if we look into our felt experience, just want to, I know this, this, um, I've got a lot of material here. I may not get through all, all of it. So this may be part one. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so as as I was sort of gathering sort of different thoughts and, and looking into this, I could see there on a very, in a felt, on a felt level, I say um, there's a sense where there's some degree of ignorance operating, you could say, that we experience it as a loss of presence. You know, that we either either we we you know that completely disembodied we're somewhere else, or just even that little bit like we're kind of squished up into one corner of ourselves. There's a sense of constriction. There's a sense that the we're not fully embodied because there's some bit of us that's con- contracted around something that we're not seeing clearly the full sort of flowing, insubstantial, ever-changing, not-to-be-grasped-at nature of life and our experience, yeah? <laughs> Don't we? So, so much of the time we're not really seeing that. We're not really getting that. We're not really, you know... And again, it's not a blame thing. It's like, of course we don't see it because we're conditioned not to see it. So, you know, so it's like noticing, knowing, knowing that, fe- feeling that. Um, and being able to acknowledge, and then we can um, then we can respond. We can respond rather than you know trying to get away from. So, as this primary another thing, it seemed really clear is that again and again the way of of the actually avijja not seeing is conditioned by dukkha by by not seeing it by trying to get away from it. That's what actually shuts us down, narrows us off, you know, kind of partial focus is because it's because we're trying to get away from dukkha. We're trying to get away from um, you know, what's difficult, unpleasant, the uncontrollability of things, um, our own conditioning. So we're in flight in different ways. And of course it's a dreadful kind of thing to get caught in because you actually can't get away, can you? And where can you go? 
And that's where you get all this dis-ease and I feel it so bodily, don't we? You, you realize you're, you're trying to escape up into your head or <laughs> you're somewhere behind yourself, you know, or, you know, you're just off there in your thoughts or you've just completely lost yourself into this conversation and you, you're drained away somehow into someone else's agenda. I mean, there's so many ways, aren't there? But this loss of presence, this loss of of sort of full of full embodiment or that feeling that you're hiding somewhere in your right hand lower side of your abdomen <laughs> it's like that sounds bizarre but you know it's like you're hiding in some bit of your body you know trying to be really small you know or maybe you hide differently maybe you hide by being really big you know and you're like here and you're like this and so that's what people see you know not the so in many, many ways, maybe we can begin to sort of feel how we're, how we're doing this, you know, how we're trying to hide. Or... Anyway, so um, what, what, one of the things that, that came clear to me, that if we look at it on an energetic level, which we were touching on this morning a bit, seems to be there's two basic manifestations. One is a kind of over-energized sense of, trying to get away from dukkha you could say trying to the flight into ignorance and that might be experienced either as a kind of let's see if any of this sounds familiar intense intoxicated swept away caught up in compelled driven sound familiar (laughs) so this is one of the this 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 being sort of flooded being swept up in in desire or opinions and views or some some sense of i am terrible or i am great you know or just being yeah being caught up being sort of you know spun out into something or the other over energized sort of thing of 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 then the opposite there's a lot of energy but it will get constricted freezing up tight you know clogged up heavy numb stuck so it's that over energized sense but we kind of have that pattern of kind of going you know kind of holding it trapping it down now if you start thinking about okay so what what does that need so this is the practice this is what i wanted to bring out that we we can recognize this and say oh what does that need if we can feel that and of course it's that initial movement of awareness, isn't it, that's the basic kind of antidote. Although, of course, the, the antidote to um, ignorance in the texts, it's sila samadhi panya. <laughs> there it is again. keeps coming up. Sila samadhi panya. So there isn't just one, you know, way. It, it's like that's it. The whole path is our, um, is our way through this, our way out of this predicament but to bring to identify you know that um that a a reaction or that um symptom you could say of of avidya of not seeing of not understanding and seeing how it's manifesting in our in our energy being able to then address that see what's needed what would be helpful here so the other, possibly most primary, common way that um, ignorance or, or delusion seems to manifest is as a, a drop in energy. It's like that. It's here. It's like the energy just, 
And one side of that is emotional. So it's kind of like loss of faith, giving up, despair, can't, it's not possible. Oh dear, you know, that whole kind of collapse, deflation thing. And then the other, the kind of more uh, maybe mental kind of manifestation of that is just spacing out. You know, this, okay, I like this. Spacing out, foggy, clouded, stupefied, bewildered, confused, sluggish, lost, whirling, gliding, floating. Is anybody familiar with that? Any of that? <laughs> okay, thank you. It's not just me. But do you see that the, 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 the helpfulness of being able to know your own flavor, you know, know your own tendencies. And you may hear, well, I do all of that sometimes, or actually I specialize in the floaty one. <laughs> or, I, you know, yeah, I specialize in the... Um, half aware I like that it's just living like half like you've got one eye open he's walking through life with one eye open half aware so we can we can recognize this and we can feel that can't you that share that sort of sense of this is the human condition and this is this is this is what we when we sit on the meditation cushion or in our chair and we keep coming back to the breathing keep coming back to the breathing Keep coming back to the breathing. This is what we're tackling. You know, so no wonder it's not that easy. <laughs> because this is so, isn't it? It's just so pre- prevalent. And it's so um, encouraged by so much in society, isn't it? All of this, both collectively and individually, we're encouraged to be quite ignorant. I, I, I don't know. It's, you know, to look and see. I mean, obviously, that's not the whole story. But... Um, it can feel, can't it, that to really be to be waking up and to be coming out of the fog, you know, it is not altogether a, a kind of, um, you know, encouraged somehow in the mainstream, wherever that is. I'm not, I know, <laughs> but um, yeah, just that acknowledgement that the conditioning is very, very strong. Um, both from perhaps our, you know what we've absorbed internally, but also the, the messages we get. Um, I just wanted to read you this one other thing, which I thought was incredibly alarming, and I I think I've sort of taken it up as a kind of cautionary tale about what happens to you if you get if you if you don't if you don't kind of really engage with this 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 need to wake up and to come out of delusion. It's um, um, the experience, perhaps, of how if it, when we when over time, maybe what happens to our character or our personality, even you know, maybe not permanently, but kind of it can maybe we go through phases. Although sometimes I wonder if some of this is explained by the menopause. <laughs> sorry, sorry, this <laughs> is like because I'm feeling a bit deluded, and I don't know if it's partly to do with that, but you know. That's probably, you see what I mean, I'm probably deluded about that as well. There's no escape really, is there? So, um, Nayana Ponika, um, wonderful um, Buddhist author of The Heart of Buddhist Meditation, it, it's this um, description of, that again, if kind of this 
this this habit of delusion kind of gets into your character. And maybe you know, I mean, you can, like, it's like, maybe you know people who exhibit some of these in yourself. General heaviness. Unwieldy mental process. Force of habit predominates. <clears throat> Thought is rigid and dogmatic. Well, not too bad on that one. Maybe sometimes. Oh. Takes a long time to learn from advice or experience. <laughs> it's like, oh no! <laughs> See, I might as well stop. <laughs> it's like, should I go on? No. Affections and aversions are fixed and biased. <laughs> Isn't it good, though? It's like, yep, oh, mm-hmm. Changes in... Ab- <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> Why is this funny? <laughs> it's not funny, really. So <clears throat> Changes and adaptations... <laughs> are undertaken slowly and unwillingly and to the smallest degree possible. (laughs) (laughs) And finally... The character proves more or less inaccessible. So, you know, there's again the lock. Click. (laughs) Although surely it's never completely too late. I hope, I hope. But isn't that, I think that's amazing. Um, So, the cautionary tale. Um, So, another... um, particular little corner of ignorance I wanted to touch on was is this um, relationship to thinking which seemed to be a very key thing and again would come up again and again with different from different teachers in different ways that it's one of the principal ways that we get caught in ignorance I mean yeah I mean actually that that does sound I don't know about to you, but it, it, it's it's how can we actually come into a wise relationship with thinking? I think maybe in our very thinky, you know, thinky culture, wordy, we're so sort of into all of that that maybe again, no wonder it's it's an area. You know, I listen a bit to Radio Four, and I love it, and I love all the words. And sometimes I stop and I think, blimey, you know this. There's just endless torrents of words and ideas and thoughts and, you know, where, hmm. <laughs> how much do I want to participate in all of that? How, what's really helpful? You know, what's really helpful? And, 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 and how you see, don't you, know, when you sit in meditation, then it's just going and going and going. And, you know, we, we're conditioned into that. So I think there's a real... You know, there's something about looking in our life at how much of all of that we're, we're sort of, you know, again, conditioning ourselves into. So three, let's share th- three different thoughts from three different teachers on this, because I think, yeah, there's a lot in there. 
I picked up something from John Peacock that I thought was very powerful. He said, as long as we associate with the chattering mind, we remain in the sway of linguistic determinism. What? Huh? Well, what I got from that was our whole life, what we do what everything our relationships are determined for us by language and how we're using language if we don't realize if we don't see that People become our thoughts about them. Yeah? Now we become our thoughts about ourselves. You know, that is, a, that is a prison. Because, you know, when you start to really look at that, what is a thought? And then, and then the, the power and the authority and the space that we sort of give to that. And when you start to see that, you think, oh my goodness, there's this huge reality of one other person, another human being, let alone everything else. And we have it packaged with a few words. And, and I, just, I just think it's so important to start to look at that. And, and there this, was this wonderful quote from an Indian teacher, the thought of your mother is not your mother. That, that really helped me at one point, still helps me, but that, that, to, that again and again, you know, and especially maybe with some of those you know, particularly important, big, charged relationships in our lives, that our sense of reality is you know, is so uh, shaped by, by the words that we've learned to use. And I- is it true? Is it really true? Yeah, so I just thought that was very helpful. Um, hmm. Um, right. I'll, 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 um... Yeah, Ajahn Chah, such a great Thai forest teacher, such um, fantastic depth and incredible practicality, pragmatism of this. He said, and and actually this came up, I think, in a section where he was he was working with deluded types. You know, it's this kind of typological idea that we tend, we have tendencies. You know, some of us maybe tend at different times to be a bit more deluded, and sometimes a bit bit more aversive and sometimes a bit more greedy so I don't want to go into that whole typology thing but I think it's quite it's quite interesting possibility anyway so with people who were experiencing a lot of delusion he would say he would say things like this he would say look for moments of clarity keep to your experience not your confusing thoughts learn the difference 
Mahayasai. Keep to your experience, not your confusing thoughts, and learn the difference. So, something on thought. I'm just realising, I think it's at least two talks here, so I'm wondering how to... um, I'll just mention um, that some of the other... If if we're looking, sort of looking for, again, how we can locate or begin to identify where ignorance is operating, yeah, so we can practice with that, so we can bring some care and and attention. So we've looked at... um, naming that loss of presence and the different ways with the over-energized and under-energized kind of manifestations of that, the danger of it becoming kind of chronic, and the, um, the, the, the loss of our uh, intelligence, the, the, the loss, the, the way we give our intelligence away to thinking but you know it's 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 actually reclaiming our 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 larger and our kind of embodied intelligence as again maybe why in in meditation we so as the body so emphasized because our our larger sense of knowing is 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 kind of in our whole body somehow and that that's where our, again, re- regaining in different ways our presence, you know, through body scanning, through, through breathing, you know, all of that is actually is a profound kind of support to our intelligence, which can then actually really um, have, a, a, have available all the, the, the energy of our being, you know, not um, just little bits of it. Um, or that so much of our energy's just got caught up in trying to kind of control things and keep this down and put that out the way. And so in the meditation, how and, and many, many, you know, talking to many of you, it's you know, retreat things pop up, don't they? Things come to consciousness, and if we can, if we can actually go, oh, you know, and hold that, it's like there's some energy that's been put into keeping something down is now released for, for living, um, for, for learning. So many other ways that we might experience um, ig- ignorance, understand it. Denial is another big one, which I won't, I won't go into that. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to do this, but I think, I think I'll just talk a little bit about um, another really key part of the teachings in, in the area of ignorance, which is about the, the, the great, this sort of more maybe underlying um, core or root or kind of misperceptions or misunderstandings um, mis misseeings mistakes that are sort of the basis for um, a lot of our suffering so these are um, sometimes called the three characteristics of existence and in their deluded form they're called the three the three perversions oh 
this language, that we see or we perceive or we, we misunderstand things to be permanent. Or we, we, it's not even necessarily also, maybe the, the, when the, the delusion is that we're trying to, it's like there's a kind of willfulness in there, we're trying to make it permanent through repetition. It's like this, 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 it's like this. <laughs> so it must be because, you know, I just keep saying that, so it is, and it's, yeah, it's like this, it's like, and I'm saying that using words, but we could be doing that energetically. I think sort of in the way we hold in place something, even if it's, even if it's painful, at least it's something. It's something. It's sort of somebody to be. Because who would we be if we were just this flow of changing conditions? How would we know what to do? Wouldn't we just become a little puddle on the floor? What's the use of that? <laughs> but we have the path, and this is again, this is instead of trying to sort of, you know, be something fixed or fix things so that they're just right and they're going to be there for us forever. Instead, we cultivate the path. That's our, that's our great consolation. Oh, that's the wrong way of putting it, really. It's our consolation prize. We get to cultivate the path. <laughs> that, that, that it's this second kind of misperception or a perversion that we, we, we think that the things of the world and our bodies and people and places and even Gaia House <laughs> is going to save us. I remember retreat, the end of a retreat with Stephen Martino. I was sitting somewhere there and I, I had, it was a big insight for me. <gasps> and it was quite a shock. Gaia House is not going to save me. And sort of declaring it to the group. Going, <gasps> now what do I do? You know, Where do I go now? And so that that we're beginning to to understand and wake up to the 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 fact that there isn't there isn't anything there isn't anything in this world that is going to do that. <laughs> and you know it's like oh, oh dear, and then oh so you know it's like so. And, and and if there's a certain way of, 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 of realizing that, which is very freeing, and if you get a sense of that, so you can stop trying. <laughs> Phew, you know. And then what do you do instead? What do you do instead? Wow, I mean, cultivate the path. And there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of happiness in that. There's a lot of kindness in that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. So, you know, great, why not? What's wrong with all that? So, so we, you know, we catch ourselves again and again. We do, you know, I still do it. Go to this and that and the other thing and there and him and her. And if only I had this and that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beginning to have that heard it all before kind of feeling. And there's, there's the possibility of a kind of 
radical happiness that we cannot even imagine because we don't have the we don't have the the um, it's not imaginable because imagination is basically based on experience I would claim so there is some other kind of basis for happiness that is not dependent on getting to everything organized how we want it to be and the last the last perversion is this sense of a solid separate self you know the great i am the great me this um and when when we can actually begin to really open to that as a where is that i mean what you know what you know come on what is it where is it look and you think it just isn't any you can't find the me the me or you see it operating in the mind me and i i i'm like this or i am trying to make my my mind do this and you start to, what on earth is that? And you start to actually see what's happening. And you start to realize that it's just, it's just a kind of another sort of thing happening in the mind, like hearing a sound, or having a thought, or a feeling. It's just, oh, it's the me sense, the I sense. And that the, um, so that, that even as you see it happening, you feel the freedom. <laughs> there is, there is going out. I feel the me sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's doing its thing. And because we get wise, we get wise. We see. I know you, Mara. I know you, house builder. You know, and we get, we we just see more and more the different facets and the more subtle. And we, and we begin to feel the freedom of, of not being defined by that, beginning to sense a kind of larger uh, context that our, our life can take place in where our central focus is not that idea. And that this is not anything negative or self-denying or it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's the greatest kindness you know, this is the greatest compassion, in a way, for for ourselves. A language, you know, it's impossible, isn't it? It's, it's that we re- that we actually, through that seeing, through that understanding, through that clear seeing, we, we're actually we actually find that there is no basis for suffering. So we don't even have to end anything. We just see that. The whole basis for suffering is something we've been constructing and kind of just misperceiving, and it, it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, <laughs> um, I think I'd like to try and bring this to a close for now. Um, So in some way, 
all of our practice, any practice we engage in, any inquiry, let it let it be in the service of um, learning to, to see clearly and see other people freshly, see other people, see the world and see our own mind, see seeing in a way that helps us to come out of the dream and come into a life um, that can really be uh, a place of joy and compassion and real true fellowship with, with all of life. So I'd like to finish by <clears throat> reading a poem I hope has some bearing on our topic. We'll see how deluded I am. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? You know. <laughs> this is a, a poem by David Wagoner called Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen. It answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. No two trees are the same to the raven. No two branches are the same to the wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. So let's just sit quietly for a couple of minutes together.
May each of us find peace and freedom in seeing what is true. May we all live with kindness, sensitive to beauty and suffering. And may all beings be happy and live with ease. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.